One time I got taken to the board of realtors. I got a complaint filed against me and against my license and I had to hire an attorney. And this message is for new realtors. Um, just to let you know that in this business, you're going to have to accept that the amount of anxiety, the amount of money, the amount of ego, and the amount of pride, and the amount of money causes this to be uh, a, a, a process that draws out the worst in people in many situations and it lends itself to lawsuits and and people just kind of go after each other it doesn't happen very often but because of all those things it does happen more often than it does in, in many other businesses i'll say it like that especially for for the general population not in corporate america but in the general population this this puts people on on edge like almost nothing else besides divorce and death and and that and, and and addiction so i was in a situation where i was working with an investor who ended up knowing the buyer's agent i was the listing agent and he knew the buyer's agent and they had taken an investing class together. He went off to list 14 houses and sold them, and she ended up not. She turned into a real estate agent, and this was like her second or third deal. And he feels like he just wants to talk to this lady, like, oh, I know her. We know each other. Like, okay, that's fine. And I asked him not to, not to communicate with her directly, and then at some point, somebody relayed back to me something that was said, and I then I asked her, do me a favor, don't communicate with with him directly. Like, let's just keep this on on the professional side, and let's not cross lines here because this could get this could get ugly. So it ends up getting ugly, of course. Um, what happened was, at the very last, they 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 end up almost buying this house, but like a week before settlement. Out of the woods comes this short sale or bankruptcy or uh, whatever it was. They ended up not being able to qualify, but the lender could look into the future and say, on this date, 12 months from today, they will be qualified to buy this house. And we were going to do something called a, um, I think it was going to be a purchase option agreement. I can't remember. might have been a pre-occupancy Whatever it was, we were going to delay the deal. We were going to keep it all together, probably a pre-occupancy, and, um, and they were going to buy this house in a year. So what ends up happening is my client keeps not signing the paperwork. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, I'll do it, and then he just wouldn't do it. And, you know, he said he was busy, and this wasn't unlike him anyway. He always wanted me to drive to his house like he was, you know, King Tut, and I had to, like, hand him papers to have him sign knowing that you know his whole business that he ran was off of the computers and everybody signed his papers electronically but he wanted me to come to his house not that i resent that to this day not at all but anyway um he doesn't sign them so eventually he does sign them and he sends it back to them and we're basically we're basically there well they end up sending it back again 
because I guess at this point it had been like a month and maybe maybe the date on something changed and they end up putting a dog on the lease because the, there's a you know there's a lease as part of a preoccupancy and they put a dog on there and I was like oh I didn't I didn't see that before I don't remember seeing a dog and I call the guy on the phone and I'm like hey man they got a dog on here and he's like I don't know man I don't know if I like this idea and all and and literally like we've been dealing with these people for 60 days and at the moment that he finally signs the papers and we send it back and they send it back all within an hour, I get a phone call from somebody who wants to write an offer. And he had already told them they were getting the house. He actually said to them, this was right around Christmas, guys, Merry Christmas. You guys are getting this house. That's like That was a text message that was to the other agent directly. Like, congratulations. Tell your clients, congratulations. This is going to be their house. And they never signs the papers, and then now here we are with another offer potentially coming in. And I immediately called him on the phone, and I said, "Dude, we might have another offer. You need to, you need to put a pause on this paperwork because if they sign it and send it back to us, we're under contract." Because at that point, I had like scratched out the dog and signed it and sent it back, and all they had to do was sign it and send it back, and we were there. And I messaged the agent and I said he says yeah pull their deal I don't want to sell them the house anymore if we're going to get another offer so I told the agent pause the contract and she says you can't do that we have an agreement and I said no we don't have an agreement not all of the pages have been initialed Um, and, and, and technically every page was initialed but there was something scratched out and it had to be initialed next to. So, so out of 150 signatures, there's one signature that was scratched out and needed to be initialed next to. And in, in, in my understanding of contracts, they, and they, they submitted a counter offer because they changed the terms of the contract and my client scratched it out and counter offered them. So we were in a counter, counter, counter type deal. And until they signed it and send it back to me, we don't have an agreement. But there's also the situation where you tell somebody you're going to do something and you agree to it and, and you communicate that in writing. That could be interpreted one way, but that's not specifically where we were at. Nobody communicated that we could um, accept the dog and they never communicated that they weren't going to you know, bring the dog. So we were in that, in that in-between stage. And when I communicated that we were pulling our, our counter offer, she flips out, they flip out. And... Essentially what happened here is that the agent told her clients they were getting it. My client told the clients they were getting it. They thought they were getting it. And then at the last minute, I was the guy because of I'm the one in messenger that pulls the rug out from everybody. So they blamed me when in reality, it was my client's fault first. Second of all, it was their realtor's fault for not having paperwork signed properly and not communicating to them that there's not an agreement until it is signed properly. And then third of all, somehow supposedly the broker of the buyer's agent told them that the best course of action was to sue me. And again, I feel like somewhere along the lines that they didn't want to take responsibility for the fact that they didn't know how to do a contract or they communicated to their client so here we are, I get papers in the mail, certified letter that I got to go in front of the board of, of realtors. 
And at this point, my client probably should have had the, um, whatever we want to call it, right, to pick up the phone and call the other agent and apologize and say, hey, you know what? I told you guys you're getting the house. It wasn't Brian's fault. It's really my fault. I'm the one who changed my mind. Of course, he's too chicken to do that. He's like, oh, well, this doesn't fall back on me, does it? Uh, it's not going to affect me, is it? Like, you know what I mean? And then the other agent, of course, same thing. Like, oh, it's not going to fall on me because it's not my fault. Of course, it's both of their fault. So I have to hire an attorney for $5,000 to represent me because my broker tells me I have to. I don't know if I really had to. To me, this was so black and white. But he's like, look, man, you don't know what you're doing because he's an attorney. And if, you know, he tells you you need to get an attorney, maybe you should just get an attorney, right? Because the worst thing that can happen is you lose your license even though I know I didn't do anything, you just never know, right? So I hire this attorney $5,000. I, I print out all the text messages. I print out all the emails. I highlight everything. And I go through it with a fine-tooth comb. And there were a few, some mistakes made here and there. But the, the, the most part, you know, it's exactly what I said, where we just didn't have an agreement. And I, and I actually specifically said to her, we do not have an agreement because everything's not signed like that's black and white and and i made it clear to her that we were not in an agreement so what ends up happening is it takes about two months and i get a phone call and just like when you're represented by an attorney you shouldn't talk to the cops if you know you didn't do it because they might catch you in something it's really the same thing here but i got cocky and i talked to this lady on the phone and i'm like yeah you really should be calling this lady in front of you and you really should get her to pay my fees. And of course, that's none of, you know, nothing that she wants to talk about. And what it ended up coming down to was the fact that my client directed me to move away from that contract into the other one in a legal manner is, is what ultimately proved that I was only following the direction of my client. Um, they never really ruled on whether or not it was a contract. They basically used that as their as their answer and I didn't have to actually go in front of the board because I guess what they do is like a preliminary like data acquisition where they ask a bunch of questions and you have to fill out a thing and then they maybe ask you some more questions and then they they decide if they want to have an actual hearing and drag you to Baltimore and stand in front of eight people and have them all ask you questions and then judge your fate so luckily I never had to do that unluckily I had to pay five thousand dollars and what lessons did I learn? Um, I, I learned that in this business, you can't avoid the chaos. It will, it will find its way into what seems like the best deal in the world. And if you know that as a realtor, and, and if you're you know, listening to this message and you're a newer realtor, you need to know that this will happen to you in one form or another. You're going to get fired. You're going to lose your commission. You're going to end up having to pay a bunch of money just to get out of something so you don't go in front of the board you're going to make a mistake or something's going to happen to you that's not even your own fault and you're going to have to tell yourself at that particular moment in time or shortly thereafter that this is what i signed up for this is part of the deal when you become a real estate agent you're inserting yourself into a very chaotic situation where people are operating at a very heightened level of anxiety and they will lash out at you when they wouldn't normally do that. You know, you are, are at a normal job where people never get more than a level four upset. And, and and then your job here in real estate, people get upset level nine and 10 
on a regular basis. And you're going to have to learn that that's just part of it. And you're going to have to know that, like my attorney said at the time, it's the cost of doing business. You make a lot of money. You help a lot of people. A certain percentage of these things are going to end up in, in uh, what do you call it, litigation. And nobody who's done a whole ton of deals doesn't end up in litigation because somebody's going to drag you in there even if it's not your fault. So as long as you know that and as long as you're willing to accept that and don't take it personal and, and don't let it, you know, knock you off of your, your game and you keep moving forward and you learn your lessons from it and don't let it happen again, don't allow your clients to get out of control and, and make sure you're clear about, you know, communicating and things like that, then you'll be fine. These are all the things I wish somebody would have told me when I was becoming a new real estate agent. It's, you know, learning how to generate leads and how to do contracts is all fine. But I wish somebody would have said, hey, here's how you handle the chaos. Here's how you handle paying taxes. Here's how you handle, um, you know, crazy clients and other realtors who are crazy. And here's how you handle some perspective, right? Like, you don't know what you don't know, especially as a new realtor. And if you're not working under somebody, you, you take a lot of this personal and you get upset and you feel upset. And then when you get, you know, like get older sort of thing, you get older as a realtor, then you're able to have people act crazy in front of you and towards you and not really get up that upset. Like I've, I, I got fired last year or I fired myself. I told him if he wasn't going to get an appraisal, I'm taking my sign out of his yard. He says, take your sign out. So he fired me. And I, I know to this day that guy was crazy because sure enough, his house sold for $60,000 less and I saved myself. It was almost a year and a half. I don't want a year and a half listing. I don't care how much it pays. Well, if it was, you know, it, I, I would if it was a certain amount, but not this guy. And you're able to you're able to deal with that differently. But as a new realtor, somebody yelling at you and blaming you, you don't know any better. You're going to take it personal. So you just have to know it. Like just know who you are and figure out a way to do this really well and to be a professional. And the faster you can become a professional that's highly respected and attract those people to you, the better off you are. The worst thing you can do is like somehow make yourself the agent who's known to be willing to help anybody and to deal with the worst types of clients. Like you're, you're the, the type of person that's, you know, really comforting to people that are crazy and you're willing to put up with a lot of stuff. So all the crazy people in the family call you, you don't want that. You, you want to make it so that you don't put up with people's stuff. And sometimes you want the crazy people to hate you because you keep calling them out and that's fine. You know, I've been cussed out by super crazy people, but I was happy because if I had been aligning myself with them, then I'd be in deep trouble. Hope you guys found this helpful and informative. Make it a great day. Most listings are doomed from the start and that's why 46.5% of houses fail to sell. And I think where it fails is before it even gets started and that's during the hiring of the real estate agent. I think most home sellers approach the process from the wrong perspective and I'd like to talk about what those perspectives are, why they're wrong, and what the right perspective should be. My name is Brian Mayer with the Mayer Group at eXp Realty. If you'd like to find out how much your home is worth or if you want to find out how we sell houses for more money, check out my website, homesellingadvice.net. 
That's homesellingadvice.net or check out my podcast. I got a whole series on selling your house for more money. I think the first category of home sellers looks for the real estate agent, or I should I say falls for the real estate agent that tells them their house is worth the most money. So you interview three or four real estate agents and one of them quotes $20,000 more than the rest. And here's where I think it goes off the track. I think in our industry, there's a lot of mystery about how this process works. Pricing houses is very tricky and because there's no Kelly Blue Book, Zillow is very inaccurate, tax assessments are way off, there's just no good data. And I think also there's not a lot of trust in real estate agents and the process. So on some level, we're all rolling the dice, right? We're, we're rolling the dice with the realtor here. Why not go with the one who's going to sell it for the most money or at least believes it's worth the most money? There could be a couple things going on. Maybe this real estate agent is just better than everybody else and he's got some process that's going to sell it for more money. And, and then there's all sorts of weird beliefs, like maybe they have these buyers. Some agents brag about having 5,000 buyers and maybe they have these buyers. Or maybe that this real estate agent somehow has learned to appreciate all the upgrades that I've done to my house and they see the true value of how well my basement is or what how good my backyard is. And the other agents, they just don't appreciate those things because they don't live in nice houses or whatever it is people tell themselves on why this real estate agent appreciates what they have. And then maybe on another level that just this real estate agent is really, really good at figuring out house prices. So if I think my house is worth $500,000 and everybody else said it was worth four seventy-five, dollars and this one realtor sees what I see, maybe they've got some wisdom and insight. And I think it's a little bit foolish to think that as a home seller, consumer, you would ever be able to properly price your home with a, a limited amount of data that you have. And that is unfortunate, but it's very unrealistic to think that unless you live in a neighborhood where all the houses are the same, they were all built at the same time and all the models are the same, you know, in, in those situations you can do that. But in Southern Maryland, it's very, very all over the place with types of houses, years they were built, locations and all that. So it's very, very hard and challenging to do that. So anyway, the next category of the way that home sellers approach hiring a real estate agent is they're looking for the real estate agent to cut their commission. The thought process there, I think, is that the house is worth a certain amount of money and the less money we spend selling it, the more money we make. I mean, that is a straight line math equation that makes perfect sense. However, it is flawed. So the first, just kind of articulate why it's flawed or summarize, it takes, it, it makes an assumption that the realtor does not have any influence on the net profit. That every realtor will end up with the same situation because the house is worth a certain amount. I don't, I don't know how this calculation comes together in people's minds. I don't know what they say, but somehow that the house is worth a certain amount of money regardless of the real estate agent involved and that it's going to sell for that amount of money. So therefore get the lowest commission. So first of all, that's a false premise. The real estate agent does have an effect on the price and, and, and it's not necessarily 
them personally affecting the sales price. It has a lot more to do with their advice and how strongly they can guide you and if they guide you at all. So let's start with the idea that a real estate agent might come in and agree to a low commission right off the bat or they lead out with it as if maybe I'm here and they'll just throw out there, by the way, I'll do it for you to be nice to give you a low commission. I'll just I'll just offer this to you and, and make it as if they're being generous or somehow like that's their competitive advantage. Like I'm gonna give you all of this I'll, I'll pull out my laptop and go through this little whiz-bang listing presentation, and I'll give you all of this for the low price of 5%, where everyone else is doing 6 That's like almost 20% off. It makes sense, but again, you're talking about somebody who is discounting their value, and maybe you had to argue with them to get them to go there. Maybe you had to beat them up to get this agent to take a lower commission but I would argue that that is a weak real estate agent. If they're going to lead out with a low commission, if they're going to give it away for free, or if you're able to talk them into it easily, because they don't know how to negotiate, they don't believe in their value, and there's a good chance they're not offering a value to begin with. They're not actually earning a high commission. So if you can imagine a group of businesses that are offering services and the best business that offers the highest level of service that gets the best results probably isn't the cheapest it just makes sense so if somebody leads out with we do it cheaper there is a chance that that person has a better process that they have now refined over time and they're able to offer it cheaper like Amazon shipping they were the first to come out with the two days shipping you know for $99 a year back then it was like $70 a year whatever it was that was a true value but I think for for real estate agents it doesn't work that way. The real estate agents that produce well and that do well, they don't charge less money, they charge more money. So anybody charging less money is probably a weak real estate agent. The other argument is if you're able to talk a real estate agent to cut their commission 20% from a 5% listing to a from a 6% listing to a 5% listing, they aren't a good negotiator and they will probably not be able to hold the line on your sales price when they're negotiating for on your behalf trying to get you the most money and if they're just looking to um, cut the deal to get the you know cut their cost to get the deal to get the money quickly they're gonna probably want to do the same thing to you hey you should just take this offer it's a good offer and you know you don't know so you just end up losing money and in many cases that's gonna be more than one percent because we're talking about one percent another thing to consider is that every commission is negotiable and every everybody does it differently but I think the large majority of commissions fall into a 5% or a 6% commission if you look at the national figures so the difference between um, so so what happens is the the seller pays the listing agent who then splits their commission with the agent representing the buyer. So if you pay them 6%, they normally give them 3%. If you pay them 5%, they normally give them 2.5%. And I've seen recently offering 2%, 2.25%. So <clears throat> one thing to understand is that the average real estate agent makes $44,000 a year. 
and probably helps, if you do the math on that, it's probably five or six buyers a year. So this is their two-month salary that they're going to be collecting at the settlement table. They're representing a buyer that's probably looking at more than one house. And when they are helping the buyer decide or pushing the buyer to take a house, they're more likely to push the house that's going to pay them. So the difference between three and a half and two and a half is about 17 and a half percent, which is about 20%. So it makes sense to think that if you pay somebody 20% more, they're going to push your product harder. And then moving that forward, once you go under contract and the buyer maybe starts becoming a little bit ridiculous about home repairs, that 3% might encourage the real estate agent to talk his client out of acting foolish and walking away from a deal. They want to hold that deal together, so therefore they're going to help hold your deal together because you're the one selling the house. So that works in your favor. That's something a lot of people don't think about. It's not just a listing agent's commission that you're cutting. You're cutting the buyer's agent's commission. They're the one who's bringing the money to the table. All right, so let's talk about the next scenario, and that is where some some home sellers are looking for a real estate agent who's going to basically follow their idea of how they want to sell their house and their pricing structure, their marketing ideas. You know, some people have this really strong opinion of what they want to do, like as if they want to be a real estate agent, but they just don't have the license and they just want to give it a try. Or they feel like real estate agents are weak salespeople and they don't know what they're doing and they're all idiots. And I have this brilliant sales idea and I know how much my house is worth and you're going to do what I say. And they're looking for a real estate agent who's basically going to do whatever they say. There's plenty of real estate agents out there that are just willing to roll the dice because on, you know, on their side, half of their deals aren't happening as a listing agent so they're happy just to be along for the ride and knowing they make $44,000 a year your five or six percent listing is still worth more money and there's still a large statistical chance they're going to get paid from it even if they make none of the decisions even if you just bring them on board and say you're going to list it at this price and you're going to do an open house every single weekend and you're going to do this that and the other and they're just going to go along for the ride to get the money that doesn't help get the most money which brings me to how it is that most how it is that a home seller should really approach hiring a real estate agent and that is you should be looking for the person that is going to net you the most money when the process is all over. I'm looking for the real estate agent to give me the most money. And that's what you should be thinking, not who's going to do it for the least amount of money or not who believes my house is worth the most money, who really has a track record for selling houses aggressively, who has a plan and a system, a proven strategy that you can get behind, that you believe in, that you're willing to um, adjust your perceptions and your perspective based on what they're telling you when they're able to do that for you that's the agent that you want to hire because at the end of the day there's so many different moving parts to the process there's so many factors and variables the the fact of the matter is 
the real estate agent does have a huge impact on how much your house sells for. Whether or not they tell you to fix your house up before you sell it and how aggressively you decide to do that, whether or not they decide to take professional photos and how well those photos turn out based on how well you prepped your house for sale, how well they market your property, how well their their reputation is in the marketplace. You know, some agents who are weaker agents to take lower commission have a reputation for being, you know, uh, wet noodles. And you know when you're dealing with them, if you're a strong agent, you can push them over. Like, well, I don't think your house is really worth that anyway. I think you should just tell your client to take this offer or whatever it is. They're just they don't have that reputation. You want an agent who's got a reputation for being extremely professional, extremely knowledgeable, extremely aggressive, and who other agents maybe have a little bit of fear of, who don't want to play around with, don't want to try to pull stupid um, contract maneuvers on, and who are going to respect their professionalism and they know that this agent is going to help bring them to the table and bring their paycheck and that they have good control over their clients. And that's something that you look for when you're representing buyers. You want to make sure that the listing agent has good control over the process. I just had a deal the other day. The listing agent had no idea that the seller was unwilling to negotiate any repairs until we got after the home inspection and had no idea that the um, the, the, the seller wasn't going to pay any closing costs and we didn't find that out until we wrote the offer and then my buyer had to keep raising their offer and the listing agent had no control over the process and, I, and at the end I had no respect for that guy and I felt like he was a weak real estate agent and he wasted me and my client's time and if I run into him again I, I'm going to make sure my client is aware of that and you don't want that type of an agent representing you. You don't want somebody who's got a bad reputation. There's a huge difference between a strong, professional, aggressive, proven real estate agent and a weak, very... Um, slow, doesn't do a lot of transactions, unprofessional, doesn't really know what they're doing, real estate agent. And the impact that the decisions that are made during the process have on, on people's lives are huge. Whether or not you sell your house at the top of the market or the bottom of the market can have a huge impact. And in the case of 46.5% of houses fail to sell at all, which again will have a huge impact on people's lives. So that's my advice, guys. If you're out there in the marketplace and you're trying to hire a real estate a real estate agent look for the person who's going to net you the most money who's strong and aggressive and don't try to beat them up on their price because you don't want them resenting you through the process pay them what they owe or what they what they earn and hold them to a high standard if you're thinking about selling your house and you want to know how much it's worth or if you'd like to find out how we sell houses for more money check out my website homesellingadvice.net my name is brian mayer with the mayor group at exp realty selling prince george's county and arundel county and all of southern maryland make it a fantastic day